0: No More Mondays, the podcast that helps you navigate career challenges through the wisdom of professionals who have been at the same crossroads. I'm your host, Angie Callen, and I welcome you to join me each week as I chat with leaders, entrepreneurs, and employees who are here to share their practical, tactical advice and some inspiration on how they arrived at career and life satisfaction. From job searching and career changes to going out on your own, we are breaking down barriers and providing actionable takeaways to help you take charge of your Mondays and ditch those Sunday blues. Welcome to No More Mondays. Hello, everybody, and welcome to No More Mondays. I am your host, Angie Callen. Internal communications. No, I am not talking about that voice inside your head, although we could focus on that all day long if we wanted, and sometimes I do. I am talking about the type of communications that happen or should happen to help your company run more efficiently and thoughtfully. And you are going to learn all about it today from expert Emily Hecker. Emily has spent her career driving successful internal comms for leading companies, and she recently released her first book, Me, Myself, and I See, a guide to building internal communications as a team of one. She is passionate about spreading the word to help people understand how important internal communications is and how critical it is to evolving corporate culture in the U.S. specifically today. She is thoughtful, she's articulate, and she's very passionate about this subject. So I am excited for all of you to learn from her today as we think about how we can improve our communications in the workplace. I'd like to introduce you to Emily Hecker, everyone. Emily, welcome
1: to No More Mondays. Oh, thank you, Angie. It is a pleasure to be here.
0: I'm excited, and and for backstory for all of you out there, Emily, I and I have gotten to know each other over the last few months through some conversations about uh, we're going to say I see a lot, so we should probably just throw that out here, uh, you know, right away. But internal communications, the business of internal communications, and as I've gotten to know Emily, I, I love how excited she is about this and how she really wants to t- help people change their perspective on this. Um, And and also that this idea of like how we can have an individual impact on it. So let's start with some context. I want to make sure everybody is out out there is on the same page. And while I gave you, you know, the three sentence funny explanation of what I see is, I give us the definition, explain it, lay that foundation for us, Emily.
1: Absolutely. Well, there, like many things, there's a lot of different definitions. But the one that I typically use with internal communication is that it's the exchange of messages, information, and ideas within an organization. And that can happen at any tier of the organization. It can be top-down communication, meaning it's coming from your top brass. It could be bottom-up, meaning it's coming from your front-line individual contributors, or it's peer-to-peer as well. So really, it's coming at you from all directions. And yes, as you quoted in the beginning, it also comes inside your head, too, the narratives that you're telling yourself <laughs> in the organization, too
0: yeah and, and how those impact what you're saying out loud in the organization can also happen and and it, 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 tell me if I'm wrong but you know my impression of of really where you where you exist in this space is this is this idea that we can be more intentional and strategic and maybe planned with the internal communications of a company because as you just said it ha- it's happening it has to happen mm-hmm. in order for a company to to run, we oftentimes just let it be kind of a willy nilly thing that exists in the background and not anything we ever really think about doing intentionally or in a planned way.
1: That is incredibly true. I think what I have observed in my career in communication, as you pointed out in a number of different industries, is that sometimes people forget that we all have a role to play within internal communication. We are all communicating every single day. We're just doing it at different levels. So I classify it as three different levels of people. You have your communicators. So this is anyone who is sharing a message or not sharing a message in an organization. So literally everybody is a communicator. And then there's tier two, which is your communication practitioners. So these are people within an organization who are executing communication for the organization. They may have training in it. They may not have training on it. And then there's myself and my peer tier, which is the communication professionals. So we're the people who are both developing and implementing communication strategies. And we also have the education and training in this field, too. So we're that kind of every every person. We've got all the fields covered. We've got practical experience. We've got educational experience. So we're the trained people. And everyone else, of course, though, is playing as a role.
0: I like how you uh, you lay out the three tiers. And I also like how you ended with kind of you know, what you are doing as a professional within that ecosystem. Because one of the things I wanted everybody out there to learn a little bit about is how you got into this, into this field. And I'll tell you, I think more people are are aware of internal communications as a career track, and we'll talk more about that later. But I think it would be great for everybody to kind of understand how you got here. Because, you know, at an early stage, this isn't necessarily a degree you get from school even though maybe it should be. Uh, and, and so, like, yeah, how did you get into this? And, like, what do you do as a leader, you know, being educated and trained in this space?
1: Yeah, so like many people in internal communication, I didn't expect that this would be my career path. So I came at it from the journalism lens, which is great how often people end up in communication or corporate communications. So I knew from a young age that I wanted to do something with writing. I had grown up writing stories for my stuffed animals and my dolls. And my parents quite rightly said, this isn't a lucrative career, Emily. I'm glad you're having fun, but you're not going to make much money at this. So... And then when I was in high school, I had the opportunity to take a journalism class, and I just fell in love with it because I got to exercise that storytelling muscle and exercise my curiosity and talk to people. I was kind of shy and introverted growing up, so this was a good way to push me out of my comfort zone because when you're interviewing people, you get to sit back and listen and enjoy their stories, but then you're the one telling the story. So I came at it from that side, decided I wanted to stick with journalism, studied it in college, and then spent a few years in publishing, exercising that journalism muscle, and then discovered, well, journalism is great, but I would like to make a little bit more money. Uh, so I, from a very financial perspective, I said, well, what's, what else is out there? How can I use these skills and exercise them further? And then I had the opportunity to move into corporate communications, which several of my journalism friends told me, well, you're selling your soul. Uh, But I actually loved it. The first corporate communications team I worked with was an incredibly talented, wonderful group of people, and they basically sold me on it. So from there, I have started as a copywriter, moved deeper and deeper into the communication space, had the opportunity to discover internal communication, copywriting for that, and just getting to understand what that looks like and the power it has on inspiring, engaging, and informing employees. So I have been in communication now for 10 years. I've bounced around from different industries, and I've been focused on internal communication probably for the last seven or so years. And when i was 26 i had the opportunity to lead the internal communication function for an organization as a team of one for the very first time and that's where the genesis of this book came from that a lot of the lessons that i i share in that book came from that experience and it ah, was there's so always incredible. a seed yeah absolutely well, and i want to
0: stop i want to stop and ask just uh, you, real quickly and this is this is very a, a very like fundamental understanding different careers and business functions kind of question I want to, I want to pose for everybody out there to understand, you brought up corporate communications and the whole world of communications is a lot, is a very nuanced. There's way more layers now than there were, you know, when you and I started our careers and our, and our baby boomer parents told us the same thing that you can't go draw for a living. Right. Although I never, I was, I, I, am not an artistic creative kid, but I did, I did want to be an exercise queen. I'm not quite sure how that panned out, but (laughs) Um, You know, corporate communications in general has a lot of layers. So I think it would be great to kind of draw the distinction between what's corporate versus what's internal communications.
1: Sure. So it's I spent some time in insurance, so I'm going to use an insurance metaphor here. So corporate communications is kind of like your umbrella policy, And then you have all of these different tiers within it. So internal communication is one of the tiers feeding up into corporate communications. Then you have external communications. Some organizations classify it as PR or use them interchangeably. And then you might have social media pulled out of there. You might have philanthropy tossed in there as well. It's really any touch point with an audience. It could be internal. It could be external. And that all creates that umbrella that is corporate communications.
0: Love it. Uh, To to give you one of those like funny little uh, internal communications is corporate communications, but not all corporate communications are internal communications. Corporate comms is the as the umbrella has a little bit of a marketing lens, Uh, whereas sometimes internal comms can be can fall under kind of human resources because it's within that kind of engagement piece, Um, which which might be the perfect setup to kind of go big picture here about why internal communications is so important in the workplace, should be so important in the workplace. Why does it, it, it deserve this intention and focus?
1: Well, at the heart of every business is your people. And your, so your employees are your audience for internal communication. And without your people, you don't have a business. So there's always this balancing act between client or customer experience An employee experience. And quite often, what I see happening in organizations is that the lean is toward the client and customer experience. And people are forgetting that, hey, your employees are the ones facing those clients and those customers. So if they're not engaged, they're not satisfied, they're not productive, they're not high performing your clients and your customers will feel it. So it's that domino effect. If you get the employee experience and the internal communication portion right, you're going to influence that client and customer facing experience.
0: I couldn't have said it better. And, I, and I'm <laughs> hoping that we are having this conversation and that you have a book because there's more awareness around this. Uh, I think that uh, uh, culture, that to me, like internal communications is a, is a function of kind of corporate culture Mm-hmm. And you can either have one in, or define it, or you can just let it roam wild and see kind of what happens. Um, and so if, if, if you, if, you know if we're right in this idea that a shift has happened, I'm curious kind of what you've seen in that in that idea that like it, it, am I right? Are corporations and our businesses prioritizing internal communications differently? Are they taking a different approach to it um, due to different societal changes? How's that look?
1: I'd say it's different depending on the organization the period of COVID and following COVID really emphasized the need for internal communication. And that surfaced a lot of issues that we as communication professionals knew existed and pen- had been talking about for years, sometimes decades, depending yeah. on who you're talking to. And, and you're all, like, Hi, a- we
0: just needed a pandemic to wake the rest of you up.
1: Yes. <laughs> and that is the unfortunate reality of working in this field is that it takes a crisis to become in or go into the spotlight. So- I'd say I've seen organizations really lean into that and keep that momentum building following the pandemic they had you know maybe launched an employee app to more effectively reach frontliners they launched a new internet they launched a new CEO at home video series fireside chats all these different tools that they're continuing and then some organizations, took the approach of, well, you did great during COVID, everyone. We're so grateful for you. Now it's time to allocate that budget elsewhere and go back in your box and maybe there'll be another crisis where you can shine. So it's really a mixed bag is probably the best way to describe it.
0: And, and really, and we talk about this a lot here and I talk about this a lot with clients. Could you give, could you give your people a bigger slap in the face? Right, we're dealing Mm -hmm. with this whole and and I know a lot of internal communications and if any of Emily's peers are listening, I'm 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 sure you're kind of laughing at this idea that some of the internal communications out there lately has been to buy buy, get people to buy in to coming back to work and all that kind of stuff, which just rolls back up to the the flawed system that we're in. That after hey, you worked at home and managed kids having school and you know, 5,000 other things, you know, from home, totally well for three years. Let's bring you back to the office so I can have you under the under your thumb, right? So it's it's definitely like, I, I think internal communications is probably a solution to a bigger problem that we have. And I hope people will activate it more, uh, which brings me to kind of a loaded question. What are some of the pitfalls that you're seeing in this area of business operations, right? Where do people really get this wrong?
1: I think it goes back to the key point we mentioned earlier, which is people don't understand the role they play. I've worked with leaders who are very shy about communicating and are very uncomfortable communicating. And we can look at all kinds of research that points to, well, when leaders aren't effective communicators, trust goes down, engagement goes down. And those are key measures of satisfaction, which leads to retention. So all these impacts on your bottom line can be tied back to communication. So, Part of the things that I have had to do in my career is coach leaders on what is effective communication, get them more comfortable being effective communicators. Even if it's ghostwriting, everything that they share, they at least are creating a presence. They're creating a persona and they are getting in front of people and making sure that they're visible and elevating that trust. And then it's, of course, the part two of this is elevating the value of internal communication, So one issue is, of course, leaders, as we've talked about. The second thing is that organizations as a whole tend to struggle with the power of internal communication. They think you're an extension of admin. You're a extension of the I.T. help desk. You're a substitute for Google, like all of these things, which we are not. So it's a part of an educational journey to just remind people that we are here, as I like to say, for four different things. We're here for strategic communication. So, yes, we are getting the right message to the right people at the right time and in the right way. We're not copying, pasting and sending what you send us. We're also here for collaborative partnership. So much of what we do is working with internal stakeholders to understand what their objectives are and say, okay, this is my expertise as a communication professional. You're a subject matter expert in this area. Let's work together to achieve those objectives. The third thing goes back to the leadership conversation, so executive counsel, making sure that our leaders are being advised, they're becoming much more effective communicators, and they're also bringing us in at the table and helping us determine what the approach will be with communication early. It's not we're being brought in at the last minute before a major change is happening. Ideally, you're being brought in early on to kind of guide that path. And then the fourth thing is storytelling. So this goes back to my passion, back to me, little Emily, writing stories for her Barbie dolls. Now I'm doing the much more sophisticated version of that, but just making sure that we are sharing stories. As humans, we're drawn to stories. So how can we share these stories within organizations, whether it's what we're doing in the community, what you know, uh, Angie Kellen is doing in this area of the business? How can we share these stories to make those connections and understand what our impact is on the greater vision?
0: I think this is so interesting and in the storytelling piece is where it like it all comes together, I think. And, and something that I keep coming back to is, uh, for those of you that listen to no more Mondays frequently, you hear us talk about personal brand a lot. And in the entrepreneurial world and the career world, personal brands, a big thing. And one of the things I often say is that you have one, whether you know it or not, right? People are saying something about you. When you leave the room, uh-huh. whether you know it or not, it's up to you. It's in your best interest to make sure they're saying what you want, and that you've defined what you want them to say. I th- I feel like the exact same thing applies to internal communications. There is a an internal communications. Do we even call it strategy or or, or type within every single company? Most uh-huh. just don't take the time to define it, so it just kind of you know it just kind of spirals out of control or takes on its own you know, its own energy without anybody really ever controlling it. And it's in your best interest to control it.
1: Oh, absolutely. And if there is an internal communication team, an actual group of trained professionals, there should be an internal communication strategy. That being said, there's a lot of people who are executing internal communication, but they're also the office manager. It's that communication practitioner bucket that we talked about earlier. So if it's that case, then your expectations should be appropriate to that person's level of expertise. But if you have a trained internal comms professional or professionals, ideally, there should be that strategy and that driving force.
0: And a lot of what we're talking about here really rolls up to, it's a function of like employee engagement and going Mm -hmm. back to what you said at the beginning, Emily, about if you actually look at the people, and, and this is soapbox right here, this is total soapbox because this irritates me. but if you really look at the people as your biggest investment, because you should look at your people as your biggest investment, and you take something like internal communications and apply it to drive their engagement, mm-hmm. your business will grow and change for the better. You have higher retention, you have you know higher productivity. There's all kinds of good stuff that comes out of this. And one thing I was curious about, I mean this is another like put you on the spot loaded question when you were talking about like those four kind of like key areas that, that you work with and that leadership training piece Mm -hmm. and the executive council, I'm curious, I love generational things in the workplace and I'm curious what trends you see there around where internal communications tends to get more pushback or tends to have more challenges based on like who is leading and, and that whole little picture. Tell me more about that.
1: I don't from what I've seen it's not a generational thing. I have seen everyone from baby boomers to Gen Z highly excited about internal communication and I've also seen every single one of those generations shy away from communication. Probably less so I Gen surprised. Z. am
0: surprised.
1: Yeah, it's it's really dependent upon the person more so than the generation I think. Because I've worked with leaders who are my parents age so they're boomers but they are just so excited to get in front of an audience and they will make them they will star in a TikTok video that's being shared internally like so comfortable with it and then you have that same, someone in the same generation who says i'm not comfortable speaking as a keynote at our leadership summit even though i'm one of the top executives here so i, I really don't think it's generational i think maybe the younger generations are a little or have higher expectations for the communication because we're so highly connected But I think the comfort level with having communication just varies.
0: Oh, I think that's fascinating. And I'm surprised. I'm surprised that that there aren't more common trends there. But if I think through it, because like I would have expected older generations to be more resistant of it because, you know, baby boomers tend to be a little bit of a sweep it under the rug, don't talk about uncomfortable things type of people. And so, you know, I feel like there'd be resistance into translating that into let's talk about uncomfortable th- things with a whole team in a professional environment where we don't talk about uncomfortable things. Right. But then when I start to, but, but, and so I'm glad, I'm glad that that isn't the case. But then when I, on the flip side, think about younger generation, they tend to have a real vulnerability uh-huh. component around some of this stuff. I think largely because, you know, especially like younger millennials gen z have a, a real problem with like social media and feel very vulnerable and exposed with it so i can see where this type of thing would be a little bit of a challenge you know for them to embrace because it feels a little sticky but at the same time mm-hmm. they want that connection in the culture so it's it's a little bit of like a double edged sword
1: oh yeah I, it's we all have different expectations i think that's what it boils down to and the younger generations you've pointed out are looking for more transparency than from leaders. We, you know, as the baby boomers speaking to baby boomers, you might be thinking more, well, why are we talking about mental health and well-being and pronoun usage and all of this? And the younger generation's like, yeah, well, give me more of this content. Tell me more. So I think maybe the, the hunger is there for communication. It's just the messaging and the messaging buckets that you put this in would differ by generation.
0: It, yes, and then, and, the, and then there's the idea of like, I agree with you, the, the need, the demand is there. Now it's like into the mechanics of how do we mm-hmm. make the kind of global buy-in. And so, so if you were gonna talk to leaders, if we have some leaders listening of any age, what would you tell a leader they can do simply to improve this area? Whether there's a full IC program in existence, whether there's a department or whether there's absolutely nothing What are some small things a leader can do to be more intentional about IC?
1: The best thing that they can do is establish clear expectations for themselves. So take yourself through an assessment of what you want your expectations for yourself and ideally your direct reports and your fellow leaders to be when it comes to communication. So establish a clear style. Do you want to be that connector between the big picture. Do you want to be transparent? Do you want to be authentic? Do you want to encourage two-way communication? So walk yourself through what is my ideal vision look like? And ideally you'd also have a conversation with your communication professionals in-house. It doesn't have to be specifically internal communication, PR people, external comms, they can all advise on this, but just make it a priority is the key thing and then establish those expectations.
0: Yeah, it's like start the conversation is a big part of it, mm-hmm. right? Like be intentional, and I love that the first thing you said is like look inward, right? Yeah. Leaders love to like, and I'm you know if if you're a good leader, you like to you like to uh, to self reflect. If you're in the management department, you probably don't, which means you should do this. But I do think there's that like, okay, what do I want to put into this kind of my kind of idea? And you have the ability to do that. And now I want to go to the flip side because I, I love the subtitle of your book, Building Internal Communications as a Team of One, because to me, it means one person can impact this area. And when I mentioned that to you before we were recording, Emily smiled at me and she goes, I have lots of tips. And so we're going to get into this. But, you know, I, I, I want to know how can one person kind of start a movement or start a prioritization around this, whether it's their business Uh, whether they're an executive in a company or whether they're just leading a team, or maybe it's just one human on a team, right? What can we do on the, on the, no matter where we sit in an org to support this kind of, this kind of initiative?
1: Well, something that anyone can do, whether you have communication professional in your title or not, is make your communications more clear, concise, and consistent. So three C's, anyone can do this. You don't have to have that communication professional acronym or a name anywhere in your title. Just be clear, concise, and consistent. We know people are short on time, they're short on attention, and they're hungry for routinized content. So if you are a middle manager, an individual contributor, you can have shorter emails that more easily convey what you're trying to say, and you can keep those touch points coming. So let's say you're in a management position at any level in an organization, you can set up a weekly cadence where you gather your team for a five to 10 minute huddle. You can do this as a frontline manager. You can do this as an executive. You can send a weekly email. If your audience is desked, you can just set up this routinized, clear, simple, easy communication. So that's one okay. tip that anyone can do.
0: I think we overcomplicate things, yep. everything we overcomplicate everything. And I love the idea of just simplify it all, right? Mm-hmm. Simplify it all. Be a human talking to a human, which is also where I think some of the complication comes in, right? We get so caught up in like, oh, how do I wordsmith this? How do I make sure I mitigate my risk? How do I make sure I'm not saying something I can get in trouble Mm -hmm. for? Uh, And all those kinds of things. I love the idea of like the triple C. Be clear, be concise, be consistent. Mm -hmm. and I'm I'm almost going to put you on the spot because this is the practical advice segment, everyone. So we're getting into the tips. How can we be more clear, concise, and consistent?
1: Well, if you're feeling shy, you can use AI. That is a great tool. If you struggle with writing these beautifully crafted 1,000-word messages, you have put your heart and soul into this message, and you just cannot think of a single word that doesn't need to be there. Probably... 900 of those 1,000 words don't need to be there. So if it is not proprietary, confidential information, you can feed it into ChatGPT or a different source. And that you can just write the prompt saying, hey, I've written this 1,000 word message. Can you help me make it more clear and concise? And voila, within seconds, your beautifully crafted essay will be condensed down to one very delightful paragraph that you can pop into an email and off you go. So If you're shy, that's one way to go. If you're feeling less shy and you like to take a more collaborative approach and have a thought leader or professional reach out to you, go ahead, contact someone in your organization. If you work for an organization that's a communication professional, say, hey, you know, Emily, I would love to work on my communication and make it more effective. I want to be more clear, concise, and consistent. Can you give me some coaching, some resources to do that? And I will say, yes, absolutely. So some of the things that I recommend, since we are in the practical guidance segment, is take the journalist approach of the inverted pyramid style. And I love the inverted pyramid style because I came out of journalism. And that basically means that you flip the script and you have the headline right at the first. So if people stop reading after one sentence, they have the information they need. So think about when you're reading a news article in in print, in digital. If you read that one sentence, you have the gist of the story. Then if you go deeper, you get the rest of the who, what, when, where, why, and hows. But you have all of that loaded, so you just write with the assumption that people are going to stop reading at any stage, particularly after the first sentence,
0: <laughs> which is a really good assumption because no one reads. In, in effect, yep. this is like the TLDR thing. Which, yes. uh, by the way, embarrassing, embarrassing truth and for somebody who writes a whole lot of tech resumes and works with tons of people in tech. I had to look that up a couple of days ago because I was like, "What is this?" But it's <laughs> it, to me, this part of the pyramid is like it's almost like be direct right mm-hmm. or uh the, like answer the question right up front cuz sometimes yep. people like like to say here's part 1, here's part 2, here's part 3 and now I'll get to add it all together in the punchlines at the end. You know, whether it's an internal communications or an interview, I say give it give them the meat and then provide the supporting info in case they tune out after seven words. So, love love I already love the inverted pyramid and how fundamental journalistic stuff of who knows how long ago is applicable today. Um, so like, what's the next, what's the next bucket on the pyramid?
1: So it's basically like you just start with the most important information. So that headline, and then you get into the middle section, which is lesser importance. And then at the bottom buried, it's that massive explanation of the technical side of things, for instance. So you just kind of write with that most important, lesser importance, least important structure. So those are three kind of big buckets that you'd have.
0: And I imagine that that appeals to, I think I'm thinking about this even as like web copywriting, right? Mm -hmm. Like if I'm going to describe a service on my website, give it to them straight up front in the most digestible TLDR format you possibly can. Mm -hmm. But then if somebody is is one of those personality types who wants a little bit more information, you give Mm -hmm. it to them. And then the person who wants all the details is going to muddle through the seven scrolls. So you just prioritize Mm -hmm. it. And, and you'll get you'll have attrition in the reader as you go down, but everybody got the headline. And so I think that's, I love that idea, right? So if you're going to communicate something, give them the most important bit of information up front, mm-hmm. then provide the supporting information. That's a great fundamental communications tool, whether it's internal, corporate, job interview, your husband, right? We all know if you, if you got a husband, you know. You've got to say the most important thing outright, and then the supporting information comes because that will never be remembered even if you tell them 10 times. So I love this. Um, I'm curious where, so more practical tips, right? So love the inverted pyramid for this idea of being like clear, concise, and then it gives you a nice little framework for consistency. Mm -hmm. Look at that magic, how that all comes together. Uh, I'm curious now if, let's say I am a business owner and I have like a team of four or five people, small right? Because again, we can do this if we're one human. I want to know what are some like good, basic IC standards, or maybe even some like good messaging frameworks that are good to put into place as a really fundamental, easy way to start with some process around this.
1: So first part of my answer here would be understand your audience. So who are, if you're in a business of four people, who are those four people? What are their areas of expertise? What are their routines and behaviors look like? Because it's probably different than your routines and behaviors, particularly if you're, you know, a C-level executive and they're shop floor people. Very different days, very different interaction with communication. So understand your audience is part one. And then I'd say go a little bit deeper and think about what do you want them to know, believe, and do. And that's a framework that I have stolen from I don't know who, uh, but that is very commonly used. And again, it comes back to your audience. So if you have clearly defined objectives for what you want them to know, believe, and do as a result of your communication, you're going to be set up for success. And you can also set up processes. So let's say you're a larger organization and you have a lot of new hires or promotions or these reoccurring communication types then you can create a template for that. So it's very much plug and play versus we've got to recreate the re- wheel every single time someone new starts or someone gets promoted, or if the unfortunate case is someone leaves the organization. So create those templated approaches. So you're rinsing and repeating versus let's reinvent this every single time.
0: I'm a big fan of, of templates and not reinventing the wheel every time. <laughs> so uh, this is super, super smart. Even down to something simple is you can have canned responses in... Google, Right. Yep. That you've already thought it gives you the ability to think through things and have that intentional reverse pyramid of a framework and a template set up so that, you know, if you have to deal with something uncomfortable, you don't have to you almost don't have to yeah. go through the emotion of dealing with the with the discomfort because you already created a template and a framework and, a, and almost like a process, a mental process mm-hmm. of here's how I deal with something uncomfortable. Right. And that is that is an element of internal communications. Right. Is is dealing with crisis communications or in the event of a restructuring and in communicating that internally so that everybody else who's still there feels comfortable. Right. So I think there's Mm -hmm. an element of that comes in, that comes into play. And, and I would love for you to speak a little bit on, on that aspect of, of the strategy and how you can get in front of it.
1: So the core thing is always to think back to what your organizational objectives are. Before I sit down, and write any sort of larger campaign strategy or my just overarching strategy for the year, I'll ask, what are those overarching business objectives? Because communication will play a role in every single one of those. And then when I get an intake of requests, I'll ask the person who's put in the request, how does this tie to one of our organizational objectives? Because that will help me prioritize it. If it's, well... We've got this massive mentorship initiative from people in culture. This ties into our overarching goal to increase people engagement. I can clearly say, okay, yep. I see a very, very direct line to organizational objectives. Then someone comes in and say, Hey, we've decided to change out the paper towel dispensers in the kitchen. This is going to be a major change. People are going to need to go through the whole change management curve. It's going to be a just horrendous change of pace. They're going to freak out. And then my question would be, what organizational objectives does this tie into? And maybe there is some sort of tie in to sustainability where we've gone from non-compostable paper towels to now we've got compostable ones. So there's maybe a story there, but it's not quite the headline shift as something bit bigger. So, again, tie back to the organizational objectives and set your strategy there and then go through the exercise of the no, believe and do And you'll ultimately get to that tactics of, okay, so we want them to know, believe, and do. We're gonna put this on the internet. We're gonna have this delivered by managers and yada, yada, on down the timeline.
0: I have to imagine that a good chunk of the time, you feel like you're the challenger in these situations, (laughs) right? Challenging the executive almost to to think, or the leadership team to think beyond internal communications in order to drive the internal communications (laughs) strategy, right?
1: It's very much that counselor. Position that we talked about. So, you have to ask the questions that people aren't asking themselves, which this comes back to my journalism training. Again, so this is why journalists tend to perform very well in communication roles because they have this inquisitive nature. And if you're asking these hard questions that people aren't asking, it gets to better results because you're asking the who, what, when, where, why, and how before anyone else can ask that. So again, you're going to close the gap on those questions. You're going to have better results, and you'll troubleshoot, particularly in a crisis situation. If you're kind of going through that very quick what if scenarios, you're going to find gaps and risks before they actually can become an issue.
0: No, I, I like the idea of being that constant. That kind of it comes back to consistency. I love recurring themes of 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 encouraging the decision makers. To think about a la- the, the the bigger picture of kind of like vision mission, why, and objectives and goals as, as, so that the internal communications can align with it, right, because all of this can't really happen in a vacuum. it sure as heck doesn't happen very well in a vacuum, and I'm sure you've seen you've seen <laughs> that nightmare a time or two
1: once or twice. This week,
0: <laughs> this week, uh, I have a I have a look behind the curtain of some of the frustrations Emily comes across in her role. But that, but then you also have the the satisfaction and validation to help people overcome them.
1: Oh, absolutely! Because the I haven't seen it all, but I've seen enough, and worked with people who have seen more than I have. That collaboratively, we can probably cover the gamut of every piece of shit that has hit the fan. So. Yep.
0: And she, and this is why there's a book on it. So I actually, I want to switch gears a little bit. And and we're kind of, we're kind of like dabbling around this, this part of the conversation that I wanted to have to, to help people understand this as a career track, right? So we've talked okay. a lot about internal communications as a business function, why it's important, you know, what leaders and what we as individuals can do to support it. But I also know a lot of people who are more aware of this and, and the viability it has as a career track. So I would love just from a professional advice or professional perspective, you know, what's some advice you have for people out there who might be interested in getting into this kind of this work, but but doing so in an informed trained way and not like the willy nilly right skills to build training to get experience to gain. You know, what are your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, I would say go for it. If you have an interest in internal communication, get on LinkedIn. There are so many incredible thought leaders and communities you can join out there and they're global. We are in such a global world that I have connected with people on LinkedIn in the UK, Mexico City. I had someone reach out to me about my book who was in the Czech Republic. Like, we are such a community of internal communication professionals, and everyone's so welcoming and would happily set up a virtual coffee to spend you know, 20, 30 minutes talking about what internal communication is like. So get connected on LinkedIn, listen to podcasts. I have a few that I really enjoy for internal comms. I, I won't name them because I don't want to feel that anyone is being left out in the internal cons community that I haven't yet discovered, but it's just a way to, if you're interested in this field, but you don't have anyone in your network who's in it or knows someone who's in it that can connect you organically then go out, get connected on LinkedIn, listen to podcasts, read books, selfish or selfish plug for my book. There's that one. There's many, many others. Uh, Maximizing internal communication by Paul Barton is one that I, one of the first ones that I read specifically about internal communication. Great book, great foundational, very practical guidance too. So I know you like book tips on this podcast, Angie, book so there, because- there's one for you. Uh, well, we're for- going to
0: link some of this. We'll link some of this stuff in the show notes, including a few of your favorite podcasts, just as resources around this subject, because I think that those are great things to put out there. And I love this idea of if you're curious about this as a prof- like as a, as a possible profession, but also if you're curious about this as a leader who has the ability mm-hmm. to really prioritize this in business, these are all really, really great resources. And, you know, I'll also challenge those of you who are like, I would love to be in internal communications uh, refine your journalistic tendencies, because that is definitely a great skill set to bring to this, you know, as we flip that pyramid and as you become the inquisitor to the leaders who who want to implement these kinds of things. And you did mention the book, which I want to talk about. We're going to let you brag. I want to hear more <laughs> about it. So um, I want to know, like, what was it like to write it? What do you hope to give readers through it? Tell me more about the book.
1: Yeah. So I think I started alluding to the fact that the genesis of this book was one, the first time I stepped into an internal communication lead role as a team of one. And I will be quite honest with you. I didn't know everything that I needed to know at that point in my career. Like so many people, you just find yourself in the situation, but it was such an incredibly transformative moment because I had come into this organization and didn't expect that I would be focused on internal communication. I had a job description in front of me that had just this laundry list of communication responsibilities, a few of which directly pertain to internal comms but not all of them. So I came in, I was the second hire on this restarted communication team, looked at the landscape, determined, well, we've got an internet, got a weekly newsletter, we've got an email inbox, and we're seeing success as, well, we sent an email, therefore we communicated. And I knew enough at that point to say, this is not how we do things, we can do this better. So I had a conversation with my boss and I said, can I dig in here? I've worked with internal communication professionals before. I've written plenty of internal communication in my careers. I would love to just dig in here. And he gave me the autonomy and the trust that I needed to go out and figure it out. And I just am so grateful to this day that he gave me that opportunity. So as I was doing all of this, I was getting scrappy. I was leveraging all of my skills that I had come to this point. And I was reaching out and trying to self-teach a lot of what I didn't know yet, like how to do an internal communication audit. So I had to kind of resource this, bootstrap it. And it was such an interesting journey because along the way, I discovered how many of my peers were also teams of one in their organizations, or they had been a team of one at some point. And I was looking for, like, where is the self-help guide for this? We're all doing this, but where is that guidebook that says, here's how to build your team as a team of one? There's plenty of content out there about how to build your communication team. Like, oh, you should have someone doing design and you should have someone doing videography and then you'll have the words person. That's great. I don't have the budget for that at this stage. It's just me. How do I do this? And I kept coming up with just more people like me who were doing it, but there were no resources. So I said to myself, well, hey, I've spent how many years doing this type of work? I've learned a lot of hard lessons. Why don't I write that book? Why don't I sit down, do a brain dump, Someone had told me that if you can speak for five hours on a topic, you can write a book. So it definitely took more than five hours to write the book. But if I read it aloud, I could probably do it in five hours. So it, it just gave me the push. And I've always said that I've had a book in me at some point. I did not expect it to be this book. But it was an incredible process because I reflected on everything that I'd learned and everything that I wished I would have known earlier in my career. So my intention and hope with this book is that people like myself who found themselves or are finding themselves in internal communication roles as a team of one, they have that guidebook that I wished I would have had. And if there's someone out there who's a leader of internal communication or looking to start an internal communication function and they have no idea what they're doing, pick it up too. You can find value in it. Or if it's anyone who is curious about how can we do this better? Again, I'm not an internal communication professional. I don't oversee it. But I'm curious, pick it up too. It's really written with the intention that it can apply to anyone who's working in an organization that communicates.
0: I love that you're like, this doesn't exist. I wish it did. I'm just <laughs> going to create it, right? And I think for a lot of us who feel like there's a book in us, it rarely ends up being the one we think it's going to be. Yep. But I think the best resources come from the you know hands-on real world experience that you got from you know stitching the scrappiness into <laughs> some sort of cohesive plan that now others have access to uh and 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 i hope that all of you can just hear how informed emily is on all of this stuff but but i i respect it so much because you built that on your own by kind of being th- thrown to the wolves a few times and uh and and i think that some of us you know i think my parallel there is you know i t- I, I i i took the leap into a very ill informed and unplanned career change and it it, <laughs> cha- it, it it it's part of my perspective on on coaching now just as you know yeah, I got thrown into the fire, and, and now I understand what would have put it out. <laughs> so I love it. And tell everybody how we find it. So how do we find the book? How do we find you? And, and tune in to kind of your wisdom on this topic and the inspiration that you provide on it.
1: Yeah, so I am very active on LinkedIn. I've got content on, about my book sometimes. Sometimes I've got excerpts. So if you want to just get a flavor of what it is before making the purchase, go out, test it, do that little trial period, it's very snack size, or just connect with me. I love hearing what's going right and what's going wrong in different organizations, different industries when it comes to internal communication. So don't hesitate to reach out to me there. I also have my website, which has a whole page about my book, and the different places that you can find it. And that is www.emily-hecker.com. And then if you want the book, just add the slash book at the end.
0: And if you feel like, oh, man, I need Emily or I need to do this just call Emily and she will come in and she will be your savior and help you wrangle all things internal communications. And this has been a really well I knew this would be super informative and fun because, you know, I enjoy talking to you and we always have kind of stimulating conversations. But this is not a topic we've drilled into on no more Mondays and if it seems that it's super super specific, it is, but at the same time, it's also globally applicable and I and I think of rising import in the corporate world. And it is a very, uh, critical element to, uh, corporate culture and, and, Mm -hmm. and a vehicle to do that better. And it's something we need to do better. So, uh, you just got a whole new little, uh, arsenal of tools in your tool belt. Thanks to this conversation.
1: Oh yeah. And if anyone wants to talk about it, as I mentioned before, feel free to reach out. There's so much that we can all do, even if we are a team of one, whether or not you're in internal communication, you can make a change going back to that clear, concise, consistent. We can all do things like that. So if anyone wants more advice, there's myself out there. There's many other people like me. So get out there, engage with people, and communicate.
0: <gasps> there's an earth shatter. You're going to communicate with humans. And as we as we kind of wrap things up, you mentioned more advice. Let's give everybody one more piece of advice. So I want to know what your number one piece of advice, your little pearl of wisdom on what we can all do to get one step closer to a more satisfying life and career.
1: Yeah. There's so many things that I would say, but the one that I would say has been most important for me in my career is just learning the difference between the challenges that energize you and those that drain you. This is something that has come up so often in my career, particularly as a team of one, that there are days when you're like, I have this mountain to climb. This is such an incredible project. I'm so excited to get after this. And you're just bounding out of bed because you're so excited. That's a challenge that energizes you. You're seeing momentum building. You're seeing value. And then there are those days where you're like, oh, it's just going to be a slog today. I'm going to have to do all these admin, routinized activities. I'm not growing. I'm not enjoying this. And I try to infuse more of those challenges that get me bounding out of bed into my life. Some days it is going to be that slog. That's the way it is when you have a job, but try to find that better balance that's leaning more towards that energy creation.
0: I have nothing to add to that because that is an (laughs) amazing pearl of wisdom. Emily, thank you so much for sharing everything that you, I mean, this is just the tip of the iceberg on everything, you know, but I really appreciate you opening up the conversation and and the dialogue around this topic as, you know, we try to improve culture, which helps improve people's careers, which helps people improve lives. It's like a whole trickle down. And so I really, I I love your, your pearl of wisdom. And that's a great soundbite by the way. And I'm so appreciative that you took your time to come today and, and share your journey and share your insights with us. So thank you so much.
1: Oh, absolutely. It was wonderful to talk with you, Angie, as always.
0: And I hope all of you will tune into Emily and everything she has to share on the topic of internal communications, which also rolls up to just good communications. And we can all use a little improvement in that area. And we always love hearing from people who are impacting career culture and helping you know people improve their career status. Emily is one of them. So there's some great advice here. I hope you will be able to implement some of it. And for all of you out there, I would love for you to subscribe to No More Mondays wherever you get your podcasts. It is a huge help as we continue to bring you these very important and impactful conversations. If you want to grab the show notes and the links Emily and I talked about or leave us comments, feedbacks, feedback, or a guest suggestion, head on over to nomoremondays.info and you will hear me on the airwaves again next week for another edition of No More Mondays podcast. Thanks for joining us for another episode of No More Mondays. Tune in next week as we bring you more insights and actions to help you improve your life and career. Don't forget, visit us online at nomoremondays.info to get all the details, show notes, and recommendation from this episode. No More Mondays, we drop new episodes every Wednesday. No More Mondays is brought to you by Careerbenders, Inc., in partnership with executive producer Jane Durkee. For more information about career coaching, resume writing, personal branding, recruiting, and entrepreneurship coaching services, visit us online at careerbenders.com.